Yo, what's up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime. My brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 18, titled Vaulting to the Top. So without further ado, let's welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, LSU gymnast, former SEC freshman of the year, Kaya Johnson. Kaya, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Um, you know, we know a lot about LSU, but we don't know much about gymnastics. So uh, before we dive into everything LSU gymnastics, like let's start from the, the beginning. You know, how did, where are you from? How did you grow up? You know, big city, small city, talk to us. Um, I'm from, okay, so I grew up in DeSoto, Texas, and then I ended up moving to Coppell, which is about an hour-ish north from DeSoto. Um, for gym so my family moved so I could go to a better gym and get better in gymnastics um so I normally say I'm from Dallas but I'm originally from DeSoto which is a smaller city um and I started gym when I was around two I don't I'm not sure why my parents put me in it but I fell in love with it and I've just been having fun ever since so you, you talk about your family is it mom dad you got brothers sisters I have one younger sister. She's 12. She also does gym. So I think that's pretty sweet. That's a, a boss move to, to shorten it to just gym. Um, <laughs> so I'm, we're going to learn a lot tonight. So I got to get the lingo right. So when I refer to gymnastics, I just need to shorten it to gym. It makes me sound right. cool. All right. Yeah, nobody really calls it gymnastics, I feel like. <laughs> All right. I, I can do that. So... <laughs> When it, when it comes to gym now, you said you started at, at the age of two, mm-hmm. and that was something that your parents just put you in and you just kind of fell into it. Were there any other sports that you played or it was just solely gymnastics or gym? Um, I also played basketball. My mom was my coach for that. I played that for a while. I think I stopped when I was like 12, um, and I played soccer as well. So what was it about gym that, that – that stuck with you? I mean, were you an athlete through high school or, or I say athlete, you definitely an athlete, but were you a, a basketball player uh, through high school, soccer player through high school, or was it just solely, you know, you moved to the gym and that that's what your sole focus was? Um, I like to think of, my, of myself as like an athletic person. Mm-hmm. I love sports and I've grown up around sports, but with gymnastics, like it's a, year-round sport so we don't really get like an off-season during the summer you're training to like go to the next level and get new skills so there wasn't really time for other sports I feel like and I was kind of given an ultimatum my parents told me to choose when I hit a certain age and I don't know I just love gym the most I guess. Gotcha so if someone wants to be you know really good at gym I mean Mm -hmm. I would say 
good enough to get, you know, college, you know, paid for and, and enjoy the experience, what age do they need to start and, and what skills do they need to possess to be really, really good? Um, I feel like it's different for different people. I know a lot of people who start very young. So like I said, too, I feel like that's not super uncommon, like starting that young, even though I feel like in other sports you can start later. But it kind of just depends on who you are. Like I know people who started when they were like seven, eight. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's a really taxing sport on your body. So most of the time you kind of just have to focus on gymnastics if you want to, you know, make it super far. So you, you talked about moving and, and switching up gyms. What were you prior to the move? You're in a gym. Obviously, you're probably good and you're showing some promise. And what was it about the other gym that you moved to that, you know, what, why did you move there? Was it just because it was bigger? Was it more competition? Was it the coaching? Um, so my old coaches, I went to a gym called Trevino Gymnastics in DeSoto. And I mean, it was a smaller gym. Um, they produced like successful athletes, like you could say, but they didn't really have many girls go beyond like level eight, nine, not many girls getting scholarships. And so my old coaches actually, you know, gave us the idea, like if she wants to keep going, it might be better for her to go somewhere else. And so we moved to Capel to go to Texas Dreams, which Kim Zemeskel, uh, she was the first woman to win the world championships, I think, the U.S. woman to win the world championships. Um, she owns the gym. And so we went there. Um, she obviously produced many like elite level gymnasts and girls who got college scholarships. So there were a couple places we were looking at, but that was one that stuck. And I tried out there and just like the atmosphere and the energy. So I stayed so you talk about levels and, you know, a lot of people that are, are listening to this may be getting a little bit of education on, on how do you, how you progress and get better. So talk to me about the levels in gym. Obviously you start from a low level and work your way up to a higher level. What it, do you have a current level? Um, not really. So basically you start at level one, obviously. Um, and that's like when you're younger and normally you compete that season and then like I said we don't have an off season so like in the summer when we're not competing you train harder skills and like learn different routines that will push you into level two and then so basically there's levels one through ten and I guess level ten is considered like collegiate level so I could say that I'm doing the same stuff I did in level ten um, right now so I'm not really like in a level right now but like if you were to consider it levels, it would be level 10. And then there's also elite gymnastics, which is its own thing in itself. That's like the Olympic path. So who, who decides when you move up to a level or is it just you got to check the criteria to move up to the next level? Yeah, you normally have to, I mean, I guess your club coaches would decide that, but like you kind of can't compete in a level if you don't have the right skills you have to meet certain requirements so you could like learn the new skills and then progress to the next level gotcha i'm asking all these questions because my daughter's three and she's in gymnastics and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in florida and i can i can think of only a handful of sports that i can tolerate in the summertime 
Right. They, they, they all have to be inside. So, <laughs> you know, Jim ends up being one that I particularly enjoy watching. It's competitive. It's fun. It's, you know, it, it, there's a, a team aspect to it as well as an individual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm just trying to pick your brain and figure out how do I secretly behind the scenes get my, <laughs> get my kid to be at the level that you're at so I can save some dollars when it's time to go to college. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really confusing, but once you get, like, once you learn it, it's, it's easy to understand. Well, Kaya, my daughter's been in gymnastics since she was five. She's 12 now. I got one. She's five years old right now. She just was at the gym from eight o'clock this morning and we just got home right before I got on. So she, we all up in it. I think they're like level zeros, though. I don't think they're very good. But no. <laughs> they're probably. So, they're no, probably they're good. Levels. They're good. I did, my 12-year-old, though, she had a little spill a couple years ago doing a, uh, uh, I think she was doing a back handspring, and she, mm-hmm. she broke her arm, both bones in her arm. So I'm sure you've had some injuries like that as well. Right. That's but that was definitely scary. Thing. Yeah, that's one thing about Jim. The injuries are not, not fun. No, you talked about it, it's hard on the body, and, and, and I can see that from, from both of them. My five-year-old was telling me that her knee hurt. I'm like, girl, I didn't even feel my knees until I was like 20. Right. <laughs> but if, you, if you're that hard on them, I understand. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm 36 and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm overweight, I feel them every day, all the time. <laughs> so uh, just kind of getting in, you talked about, you know, kind of where you grew up, but just tell her, where, what high school did you go to, and tell us a little bit about that high school. Um, so I went to Coppell High School. Actually, before high school – my gym, Texas Dreams, like I talked about, had a school at the gym. Okay. So from, I think it was third grade to eighth grade, I went to school at the gym. There was classrooms set up in the back. Um, we had like certified teachers and it was just basically practice, gym at the school, <laughs> practice after, and then go home. So I was at the gym from about like 7 a.m. to like 7 at night for a couple of years. And then I went to Coppell in ninth grade. Now, did that have anything to do with how you got to graduate earlier? Was that just because you're so smart? (laughs) That had nothing to do. That was a crazy situation. So I don't know if you guys know, but I was committed to Georgia before coming to LSU. You made the right choice. (laughs) No, I agree. agree. No, I committed to Georgia um, in ninth grade, actually. And then they had a coaching change. And I just realized that I didn't want to go there anymore. And I always liked LSU but they didn't have any spots for my original year 2020 so I decided to graduate early by doing um online senior year while I was in public school for junior year and this was pre-pandemic so you're online before it was cool right (laughs) see you step ahead of the game Kaya so let's we're gonna dive into that a little bit so you're going to school you graduate early so like were you like a popular like standout athlete or were you just kind of like chill? I'm just going to hang with my own people. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually didn't do, so not a lot of high schools have gymnastics. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like not that many people knew that I even did gym in wow. school. So, you know, I feel like it's like that for mine too. You know, they, they talk about it. everybody's like softball, basketball, all that Great. stuff, but you talk about gym and it's kind of like, Oh, that's cute. And it really, Great. it's like the harder, like I watch them do it and I was ignorant too when my oldest daughter started it, but man, seeing the work those girls put in, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the guys too, there's guys and there's boys in their gym too. It's, it's yeah. crazy. So you said you played basketball. How good were you? I like to think I was really good. 
Okay. What kind <laughs> of player are we talking like? You like point guard, you know what I'm saying? You banging, what's up? <laughs> I was a point guard and like my mom was a coach. She was so hard on me, but I I really enjoyed it. I feel like if I didn't do gym, I would definitely be playing basketball. This this is what I picture. I picture you know how how super grizz goes running down the court, jumps on the trampoline, backflips and dunks it. Like you know, I, I, Kaya I picture has not watched a lot of Memphis Grizzlies games. <laughs> I just picture Kaya doing that without the trampoline. Just hey. down the court, driven the yeah. ball. <laughs> Absolutely. Not flopping though, like that Chris Paul guy. We ain't, we ain't gonna talk about that. Speaking of the Grizz, we'll talk about that after you jump off though, Kaya. <laughs> so Obviously, I've seen a lot of gymnastics practice, but my girls are not near at the level. So just kind of walk us through what does a normal gymnastics practice look like for you? Um, so right now, even in college, it's a little different than how it was in J.O., um, which is like levels one through ten. Um, I feel like that is honestly a little bit harder than it is now just because we're getting older and like gym is harder for our bodies now. But here we do school in the mornings. So I have classes in the mornings and then we practice from around 1.45 to five-ish every day. Um, and honestly, every practice looks different. I feel like, you know what I mean? We don't do the same things to keep it fun. So every practice is different. Oh, that's a good thing. Cause I can tell, you know, I, I can always tell when my, when my girls go in, if it's just a routine thing, they're just going through the motions right? and then they'll get that one coach that comes in and changes it all up and then it grabs their attention right back. So I agree with that. And I'm the same way. It's probably ADD, but you got to forgive me. <laughs> so you mentioned you, you committed your freshman year to Georgia, but talk about your growth and how, how much different were you ninth grade year to your junior slash senior year? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I grew a lot. So I actually tore my Achilles um, right before ninth grade. And I feel like I was on the come up as a gymnast. Like I was doing good, but I feel like my confidence, it's weird because I was out for about eight or nine months, like not doing gymnastics at all. But I feel like my confidence in that time like grew. And then that obviously helped me do better in the gym afterward. So let's talk about that for a second. Obviously, you tear your Achilles. We've seen that injury a lot, and it takes away – a lot of times when athletes come back from that, like in a, in a contact sport anyway, they're never really the same. So right. how nervous were you when you finally were on that Achilles again? Was it like a, a fear? No, most definitely, especially because I remember the surgeon who did my surgery was saying I was one of the youngest people he's ever performed a, an Achilles repair on. Right, you're like, thanks for that, Doc. No, right, like that helps. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was – it was definitely a weird feeling because at one point I had to like relearn how to walk with that foot. And then a couple months later, I'm trying to do flips. So it was definitely scary, but. But you weren't gonna let it hold you down. You thought that right. they, they forgot about you, Kai. So you came out back on fire. I see. Right. <laughs> so you talked about how you committed to Georgia again, and then you wanted to graduate early to go to LSU, but tell me or tell everybody listening, how did you ultimately decide LSU was where you wanted to go? Um, so I actually visited LSU before my freshman year, kind of when I was looking at every school. And like I said, they didn't have spots or I feel like I would have committed here from jump, but they didn't have any spots. So once I kind of figured out that I didn't want to go to Georgia anymore and I wanted to look other places, this was the first place I looked. And my parents were in good contact with the coaches here and they just kept in contact. And then I finally was able to come back and visit and talk to them about graduating early. Yeah, Kaya, before we dive into LSU, I just wanted to, you know, elaborate. Daniel was talking about his daughter being three and being in gymnastics. So I stayed with him for a week in Florida. And 
I tell you what, not only does she already do gymnastics, but she watches it on TV all the time. And little did I know at the time we'd be talking to you, but there we were watching LSU compete on TV. And, you know, Daniel can explain to you. She gets all into What are some of the things she says, Daniel, when she wants to see a certain event? Oh, she loves the uneven bars. So anytime we turn it on, she's like, I want to watch bars. I want to watch bars. And she'll move the ottoman and she has a little trampoline and she'll set up this like running, like she'll run from one end of the house all the way into the other, jump on the trampoline and land on the ottoman. And that's her vault. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But all that's just from, from watching TV and the little things that she's learning at her gym right now. I, yes. I can say the same. I was literally the exact same. And so little do you know, you got, you know, you got fans out there three years old watching mm-hmm. you and trying to already emulate you. But uh, let's talk about it. So let's go down to Baton Rouge. What was it like first day on campus? Um, Honestly, it was scary. Just because like I was a year younger than everybody. First of all, I thought people were just going to know, like by looking at me that I was younger than them. So I thought that was such a big deal and it definitely wasn't. But I don't know, college, it was definitely really fun, but like the first day I was nervous, like walking around campus trying to find my classes, but it was fun. You at least enjoyed the beauty of the campus because I love the campus. Yes, it's so pretty, it's so pretty. All right, so if you were nervous getting to school, I can only imagine what that first practice was like. How was that? (laughs) That was actually not, I feel like not as nerve wracking, just because like our team had already been friends and like, we had group chats and we already hung out together. So that was just, it was just really fun to get into the gym for the first time. I got you. So you talked a little bit with Randy about, you know, what your schedule looks like as far as practice. What does an entire day look like when you include academics and practice and everything else? Um, so some days of the week are different, but like I said, we go to classes um, in the mornings and when pre-COVID, you know, you'd have to like walk to class, Sometimes I'd have like three before practice and then I'd grab a quick lunch, go straight to treatment before practice, practice and then treatment after. And then sometimes we'd have tutorings, meetings, things like that. So it's very busy, but definitely worth it. So are your classes all online right now? Uh, It's like hybrid classes. So some days we go in person, some days we go online. I gotcha. All right, so let's dive into it. Freshman year, first event. You put on that purple and gold. You said you weren't nervous to practice. What about the first event? Oh, I was shaking in my boots. I was so nervous. And it was funny because, like, I feel like I haven't gotten that nervous for a meet in a long time. But we were, like, in the tunnel about to run out, and all I see is people. So I was, like, really nervous, but it was fun. We started on vault, so. Were you equally as excited, though? No, yes. I was so excited. All right, so your freshman year, you absolutely killed it. Freshman year in the SEC, was that a goal for you or something that just kind of happened? Um, I feel like it was a goal and something that happened at the same time. So, obviously, like, coming into school, you know that that's, like, an award that you can get if you are the best freshman. Um, but college gym is more of a team sport, so you try not to focus on, like, the individual things. So it wasn't something that I was, like, week by week, oh my gosh, I want to be SEC freshman of the year, but it was something that I knew about. Gotcha. So, you know, went through the schedule, went through last year, and basically you got to go through the whole thing, but the the final meet and then obviously Mm -hmm. the tournament. I looked at your stats. You absolutely killed it. Your team was killing it. You know, y'all were depending on what I saw, like rank five or six. And so Mm -hmm. 
I know this is a hard question, but what, what was it like? How did you feel, your team feel, you know, being right there at the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, y'all are rolling, you're rolling. How did it feel to just have the season, you know, pulled out from underneath you by COVID? Um, it was definitely not a good feeling. Like you said, it was right before the end, and all the upperclassmen would talk about how fun um, postseason is and, like, how cool competing against – all the SEC teams and then going to nationals was. So it was really hard to not be able to do it because we were looking forward to it so much. But, I mean, it it happened, so. Did the upperclassmen, did they get their year of eligibility back or is that was that it? Not the seniors last year. So our seniors this year can come back for another year next year if they want to. But the seniors last year, like, that was it for them. Uh, that's heartbreaking. I can, yeah. I can only imagine what they were feeling. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, going into your second year, what did you feel like you needed to improve on the most? Um, specifically, like gym wise, I would say bars. So I don't know if you know a lot about like how it works, but you kind of like focus on your handstands. And I feel like bars is a hard event to like control with like adrenaline. And so that was one place where I like actually looked back and was like, I could do better in this specifically. Yeah. I mean, unless you're perfect, which, you know, we're going to get to a time when you were perfect, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's always room for improvement, right? right. So, all right. So we got two meets in the books. Let's start with the first one. You know, uh, Daniel talked about, he got to watch it. I did as well, you know, um, started off a little rocky, but you know, finished strong, obviously with you getting a perfect score. Tell me what, you know, the whole thing, not even just you, but as a team, how that first uh, meet went. Um, I think we did good. Like, it wasn't our best, but we started off strong, and that's what we wanted to do. And like you said, it was rocky. There were some places where we made some mistakes, but we always talk about it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so I think that first meet really, like, dialed that in because we were able to pull out a win in such a close, like, SEC meet. Yeah, so for those that didn't watch it or didn't know, one, go back and watch it. it you know, it's available somewhere, I'm sure. But, Kaya, you know, I got to ask you, did you know that you needed a darn near perfect score to win the thing? Oh, I didn't know how good it had to be. I just knew that it had to be a really, really good routine just because it was so close. The scores were neck and neck the entire time. And so I knew it had to be pretty close to perfect for us to win. Did you happen to know that you were the Sports Center top ten number two play of the the week? I actually saw that um, at dinner with my parents and some of my teammates after the meet. Like it came on as we were eating our food. It was really cool. Go on and get it then. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I'll we, never. I'll never be on the top six hundred and fifty. <laughs> we might make That's the true. not top ten at some point. Yeah. Or mispronouncing but, somebody's name, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> So second meet, you know, obviously you, you do well again, but specifically, you know, I want to talk about the team, you know, the best score in the country for the week, 197.275. What was that like for the team? That was so cool. And just to see our hard work pay off. And the crazy thing is, is that wasn't even our best meet. Like there's still places that we can visibly improve. And so it's just really encouraging and motivating to know that like we were the top scoring team and it wasn't even our best. Yeah, I'm glad you said the word encouraging because one of the things I noticed about gymnastics, I think it's unique more than any other sport, 
is the way that your teammates cheer you on. I've never seen anything like that. You know, a lot of teams, you know, the players cheer you on, but not like that. Like, how much fun yeah. is it to cheer on your teammates? It is so fun. Um, like, we talk about doing it for each other. And so, like, when I'm on the beam or, like, doing my routine, I'm doing it for them. And when my teammates are going, I feel like I'm up there with them. You know what I mean? So the excitement is all real. Like, we all feel it. It's it's just really fun to see my friends do well. Yeah, no, it even shows, you know, I follow you guys on social media. Y'all all share everything about each other. As a matter of fact, I see less about y'all sharing about yourself and more right. just about your teammates, so I love it. All right, so talking about the team, it's the last question I got for you. Is this team going to win a national championship? This team is going to win this year. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> all right, Randy always asks, you know, he wants to know, if you win a national championship, you coming back to talk about it? Oh, most definitely. Right Almost. here, you got to tell yeah. your, you got to tell the publicist we got to have a quick, quick, quick reminder on this one. Yeah. We're gonna send out that DM. You're gonna be like, all right, bet I'm going to talk about it. You're gonna be on Sports Center again. We're gonna <laughs> rap about it. Show is when, going against Arkansas. When you look across the floor and you see someone like Jordan Weaver standing over there, is that like, are you? in awe or are you starstruck or you're like i'm gonna show this girl what's up i feel like it's all three in one and we actually got to compete against arkansas last season um because the sec schedule but like when i first saw her i was like wait what that's jordan weaver then i realized that i was competing and i actually had to do something so i couldn't like sulk in that too much but it's really cool to see like different college coaches and even college gymnasts that i've looked up to and like be able to compete against them now Who's your favorite gymnast? Who's someone you try to model your, your yourself after? That's a really good question. I feel like I have a lot, but I'd say Sean Johnson. The she went to the 2008 yeah. Olympics. Yeah, we we're old. We know Sean Johnson. <laughs> so um, if it if it makes you feel good. Well, my daughter, I was trying to, you know, we were watching the meet and I was like, hey, you know, that's that's Kaya. She's going to be on my on our show, um, you know, and she's like, is that is that Simone? I'm dead. So I, I love the comparison. If, if I was compared to anybody, it would be Simone. So, yeah. So she, you know, in, in, in her book, you're you're the best in the world and you were you were damn near the best in the world that night because you, you. you were phenomenal so before we we let you run we're going to play a game with you that we play with with all of our guests it's called this or that uh it's it's very simple it's got two rules you just i give you two options you can't say both and you can't say neither <laughs> okay you down i'm down all right so the first question is if you had to pick one to if you're filling uh, your team and you had to pick one and we're talking about in in their prime and and i know the answer i think the answer is pretty obvious but they're probably pretty similar in their prime simone biles or gabby douglas simone biles yeah mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if you could if you could add one of the men's events to women's gym would you choose rings or would you choose the parallel bars that's a hard one um 
I would say rings. I just feel like rings seems more fun than the parallel bars. Yeah, I want to see you up there doing that iron cross. That's what's <laughs> up right there. What what is if you could pick a, a men's a men's apparatus, which one would you pick to do? I would pick to try rings. I don't know if I'd be able to do it, but I would definitely try it. So when you guys are just messing around, you've never you never hopped up there and like jumped up there, you know, and done some stuff? No. Oh man. <laughs> gotta get on them rings all right it would you rather have a perfect score and lose a meet or have a bad score and win the meet a bad score and win the meet so you're saying that you're you're team player all around yes <laughs> you know it, it that's a that's a question that i have in college gym do they have individual like all around or is it simply just team um they don't have it like in the regular season but at secs and ncaa's there's two days of competition and so your first day score is like determines the individual stuff so individual like first place on vault bars all through and then the second day is like the main team event all right would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Mm, I feel like I'd go back. If you could change something in the past, what would you change? Oh, that's a good one. Not tearing her Achilles. Right. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I feel like I don't know if I'd be where I'm at now, which is a, weirdly, a really weird thing, but I feel like it was a blessing in disguise. I saw a dude tear his Achilles and come back and drop 50 on folks. <laughs> so last question, and this is the staple question. This is the, the, the money question, so to speak. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? I would rather have friends. No, I'm not hesitated. a person I that likes to be by myself. Get her, Rand. Get her. You know, I like the hesitation told me you, let me tell you something. I, I, I'm going to tell this to every young person we have on here. Pick the money. Cause you're going to have a whole 10 years from now, a whole different set of friends. That's true. Uh, whole different set That's of friends. Ten, think about 10 years ago. <laughs> you don't talk to them punks no more. Maybe <laughs> like one. Now the difference is 20 years ago, I knew these guys, I still kick it with them, but I trade these dudes in for some money. <laughs> if he had two less kids, he would have done got rid of us already. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So you're off the hot seat. Anything you want to plug or promote anything with LSU, uh, women's gymnastics, uh, social media, where we can find you, where we can watch you? Um, so we actually have a meet this weekend. This is one of our bigger ones. We compete against Georgia and we'll be at home. I'm pretty sure it'll be on the SEC network at like 7.30. So y'all can go watch that. <laughs> Georgia wants to beat you because you decommitted. Right. <laughs> It's definitely weird competing against Georgia every yeah. year. Yeah, them, them them gym dogs. I'm sure they're gonna be ready. They're gonna bring it. But I, I'm I got the utmost faith in the LSU Tigers to to take them take them down. So thank we want to thank you, Kaya. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. And trust me, we're gonna be reaching out uh, when you win that national championship because you're gonna come back on and tell us about the ride. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Kaya Johnson, we're going to take a break. When we come back, 
We're going to talk Drew Brees. We're going to talk Conor McGregor. We're going to talk the return of Ja Morant and much, much more. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Leading off tonight, we got UFC. We got a big match. We got Conor McGregor back in action. And Jim, I'll, I'll ask you, are you intrigued to watch Conor and Dustin Poirier or nah, you're not in it? I'm absolutely intrigued. I've only watched like three events in the last couple of years and not because I'm not into UFC, but I've became so old that I just don't stay up that late. And, you know, I usually have to go somewhere. And so staying out at the bar till 12 o'clock has just not been my thing. But the last time, the second to last time I can remember doing it was last year. Ironically, I guess these schedules are quite similar because it came up on the, uh, the timeline from a year ago today, actually, when he won that last match. So I'm always intrigued when he fights. You know, Randy's talked about it before. He puts on a little bit of show with all the talk and everything. And so I think, you know, the casual fan like myself gets intrigued. Yeah, when you when you say he puts on the show and he talk, I, I think he's talked a lot less leading up to this fight. Um, and it's not so much of a spectacle. I don't know if it's just COVID-related. There's not the same pressers that there normally is prior to a big fight. Um, but he's definitely, you know, ready to get down. He's he's talking about he, he doesn't expect it to go um, the distance, but if he does, he would appreciate and like the fact that it would be a war. Um, and Randy, talking dollars and cents, McGregor needs to win this fight and UFC should be pushing for him to win this fight so he can set up a big time money match with Khabib. Is that, is that true? I think if you, if Dana knows that he can get Khabib back, it's true. But I think that regardless, no matter what, that, that McGregor is going to remain the cash cow. He's going to remain a draw. He's going to keep selling tickets just because, you know, to Jim's point, he is a showman. He talks the talk. And he has started to ramp it up this week on his talking. You know, he said he was going to take him out quick. And you got to remember, last time they fought, he took him out in the first round TKO, and he pretty much dominated the whole fight. I, I do think that what McGregor has to prove to MMA enthusiasts, you know, like Rod Galvin and his peers, is that he is in this for the sport and not just the money. We're all in it to make money. That's – obviously first and foremost, but McGregor has FU money. So now it's, are you focused and are you willing to put in the work? And when I'm not saying he has never put in the work, cause he's been a hard worker. He's just done all the talking, but Boyer, I mean, he's, he's legit right now taking Khabib out of it. Cause he announces retirement. Boyer's the number one ranked outside of the champ. He's number one ranked. So McGregor beats him. And what I do like about it is that he didn't even have to take this fight. McGregor, if really he put all his chips, pushed him under the center and said, I'm only coming back if I fight Khabib. And then Dana took that back to Khabib. I mean, that that's how it goes. But McGregor said, I want to earn it. And I do like that. And I'm not a big McGregor fan, as you guys know. Yeah, I I have started watching a lot of just part of what pops up on YouTube when you, you look at a fight, then you and Joe Rogan's podcast, and then it recommends videos. And I've started watching a lot of these Conor McGregor documentaries and just like him training and, and leads into a fight man there is no doubt about it this guy's work ethic is is unmatched um the guy lover, man i mean the, the guy has the confidence and he backs it up and and 
you know, that's something to be said for a guy who works hard and gets after it and, and goes out there and, and shows why he's one of the best. Um, there are times where he's let his guard down and he's gotten, you know, he's gotten beat. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. He's still a big draw. He will remain a big draw for a fight fan and a casual UFC fight fan like myself. I want to see big names. So I, I would much rather see a Khabib and, and, and McGregor fight than um, McGregor and somebody else. But needless Don't to say, Poirier, though. I, I, trust me, I'm not. I'm not because, you know, it, at any moment, you could catch somebody at their best and the other person could be at their worst. And when it I comes to UFC, that submission game, it just takes one, one slip. I think what you have to watch out for is the guys that don't have anything to lose, like Diaz that came in. Nobody gave him a chance. And then it, really, nobody gave Khabib a chance. They were, they were dumb and they had never watched Khabib fight. But a lot of people thought, and what they do, what both of them had in common, is they could take the punches. If you can withstand a barrage from Connor, and he's going to come. He's aggressive. He's a huge counterpuncher. So if you're smart with your striking, and I think Poirier learned a lot. I guarantee you, for months, he's been doing nothing but watching that old fight. And let me tell you, he is. He was a great fighter then. He is a even better fighter now. I can't wait. So who you got, Randy? <laughs> Connor McGregor. I just think he's focused. I just think that he's once-in-a-lifetime talent, and I think he's more focused now because he feels like the world is doubting him. He's using that Michael Jordan motivation, even if it doesn't exist. I got McGregor in two and a half rounds. Before we move on from UFC, I wanted to ask Randy about um, the Max Holloway fight. I didn't watch it, but I was watching the clips of him just talking and talking during the middle of the fight. What did you think about that? I loved it. You know, I, I do like the smack talk. I really do, especially during the fight. Him talking shit to the guys announcing the fight and throwing a no-look jab that landed flush. My goodness. That's <laughs> yeah. next level. Yeah, the, the guy, I, I don't think ABC, I think, wasn't it ABC that, that, that broadcasted it? Um, I don't think they were looking for – the level of blood that they got. Um, but it dude caught, caught him straight up with an elbow to the dome and just <laughs> split him open. Uh, and also, nasty, nasty sport. And also, Daniel, yeah. before we move on, we'll talk about it closer too. you know, um, it's obviously a little down the road, but they did announce uh, Eric Anders and Darren Stewart will be fighting on UFC fight night. So our boy that we had on the podcast, we'd get to get to watch him soon. Give me, give me Eric all day, all day. All right, guys, jumping to NBA. Randy, he's back. Ja is back. He was listed as questionable, and then all of a sudden he's in the lineup playing. And not only is he playing, he's making a dis difference. So what does this mean for the Grizzlies? You know, it's huge, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how good this team played in Ja Morant's absence. He is a – uh, a top-flight talent in the NBA, but this team, uh, it's not the same grit-and-grind, beat-you-up team, but they're gritty. You know, they fight. Uh, they got players that people hate, like Grayson Allen, uh, Dylan Brooks. You know, they got guys like that, but they're gritty. They fight. And what's really been underrated about this team is their defense. You know, it, you see a lot of points, but when it came down to crunch time, even today, I mean, they made stops. And how shout-out, because we have been – 
me included, I have been railing on the Grizzlies front office for years. They have gotten it right multiple years in a row. You know, Tillman, a second-round draft pick, and that guy's out there playing meaningful minutes, gets his first start tonight, ripped a Hall of Fame point guard like it wasn't nothing tonight, was efficient. You know, John Morant, speaking of efficiency, John Morant's top 15 in the league in only four games with his PER over 26. Normal PER is 15. Just to name a couple names around him for PER, number one is Jokic. We all know how great he is. You know, Durant, Embiid. Luca, Kyrie, Towns. I mean, just some of those names. John Morant's in that company. And they're like, tonight, the pass that he made uh, to crunch time to Grayson Allen is all-star worthy. The kid is for real. Can't wait to see it when they're all back. Yeah, I, I think another thing that goes, you know, unnoticed a lot of times is guys that are behind the scenes doing the work to get the players to produce, and that's Taylor Jenkins. I think they're absolutely found the right guy, and – you know, I, I think we've said that before in the past, but for some reason this feels different. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 going to be fun watching them move forward. It'll be interesting to see. And just like tonight, they, they pick up a big win against Phoenix and, it, boom, that puts them into the seven position. And, you know, it's just one – every night matters. So that that's, that's super important. One thing I want to add to that is that because we all know the Grizzlies don't get a chance to be on national TV a lot – they were on national TV today, always had the MLK game. It's always great to see that symposium, the awards and the history around it. But even, uh, you know, less important but still very important is that they get a chance to shine on TNT. Charles Barkley, who over the years has always said good things about the Grizzlies, but he did pick the Phoenix Suns to win. And then today at halftime, he said what you just touched on, that Taylor Jenkins is the most underrated coach in the league because what that guy's done without Jaron, without Justice, without Ja – and he just kept winning. This was five in a row tonight. The guy's amazing. He surrounded himself with talent. I, I just can't say the whole organization from top to bottom. And one more thing before we move on, shout out to Robert Para, who not only is committed to keeping the team in Memphis, but just this week was announced that he Ubiquity is uh, expanding into the Memphis market, furthering entrenching Robert Para here. The Grizzlies are here to stay. Sorry about your luck the rest of the league. That's what's up. So, speaking of guys coming back, Jim, James Harden is back. What does that mean for the Nets? Well, as much as I don't want him or Kevin Durant to win two games in, it's looking really good. Tonight, they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, which is a good way to gauge how good they are currently. And Durant hit a go-ahead three to win the game. Um, both Durant and Harden scored over 30, both shooting 50-plus percent um, through the first two games. You know, super efficient, scoring a lot. They're also getting rebounds and assists. I mean, they look they look great, and I, I hate it because it looks like this could work. The only question would be, and this would – I'd gear it towards Randy since he's a Kyrie guy, will he mess them up when he comes back? I want to put this on the record. I'm a former Kyrie guy. This dude has lost his marbles. <laughs> He's generational, generational talent. And I mean when I say that. The guy is a phenomenal talent, one of the best ball handles we've ever seen. But he puts himself over everything team-related. 
and I do not get down like that. So I think he could screw it all up. Or if he comes back and he buys in even a little bit, though, that team is stupid talented. What, what would you let's – let's say that he's not going to buy back and he's just a normal self. Would you rather him just not come back for real? Yeah, I think that you would have had to have that conversation with him, though, before you mortgaged everybody you did for James Harden, though, right? I mean, surely. Yeah. Well, for me, I you know, because I'm not the Kyrie guy and because I don't want Harden and Durant to win, I hope he comes back and messes the whole thing up. I mean, it is it is the Nets, so it's anything is possible. I, Randy, do you see a scenario where he just – they just say, you know what, thanks but no thanks? No. It, it, not in the NBA. It's a player's league. He's going to get what he wants. It's a shame because you're right. That dude is is cuckoo for cocoa puffs right now. I don't I don't know if he's always been like that or just because he's at where he's at and everything is that's happening is 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 big time for Brooklyn and he's just in in the mix. I don't I don't know. You know when I knew it was over for Kyrie, it wasn't even the flat earth thing. That was stupid enough. But you know when I knew it was over for Kyrie, when that dude said, I've never had a teammate that I thought could make shots in the clutch. The man, what? He was on the team with one of the greatest players of all time. You think that dude can make shots in the clutch? And I could name off stat after stat of LeBron being clutch in crunch time. And Kyrie uh, over time, I never played with nobody like that. Come on. Come on. We, we're getting stupider as, as we talk about him. So we, we got to move on. So NHL, you know, it, it's back up. It's running. We're a few games in. Um, Jim, is this something that you're interested in right now, or you could you could take it or leave it? Well, I'm not currently interested just because I feel like football has to end before I really, really engage in basketball within itself, but definitely hockey. But I told you last year that I watched some games, and I definitely enjoyed them. I did, however, watch a hockey game Friday. Um, Brandon Cope, or Ben Cope sent me the link to his game, gave me the login, so I get a little, you know, backdoor free uh, streaming of the Milwaukee Power, and I got to watch him play some hockey. So how did he do? Give us the he, rundown. He you did didn't. well, He did well, but I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Um, if I, First thing I had to message him and ask him, Daniel, they had a five-on-three power play and then capitalized. And I said – and he was in. And I said, how did y'all not capitalize on that? And he said, this new coach still doesn't position me the way I was at the old team. So – He's still working in the kinks with his his other players and his team, but you know, he did well. Other than that, calling out his coach on the end off the bench podcast. Yeah, I like it. I heard it here. Boom. That's that's hot takes, hot takes, and hot cakes. <laughs> so, you know, I, Randy, you got the Lightning, defending champs, two and zero right now. They're going to be shutting it down for some COVID issues with the Stars, but not. On, on the Lightning's end. But you got teams like Nashville, you got Washington, Minnesota, Philly, and Vegas all 2-0. and um, Who do you think of those teams that are 2-0 and ends He's going to say Vegas. Let me tell you something. I, I know. I, I have a feeling that's, that's let, where he's going. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. Let's, let's get this out there. You see what this – what does my hat say right here? You see this? Memphis, Memphis, okay. Memphis, Memphis. Memphis all the time. Let me tell you what I'm going to never, ever – ever going to do and i see all you little fake ass memphis people rooting for the predators when they got good and went to the stanley cup that'll never happen in this house baby i'll ride the lightning baby that's where go. i'm at there you go ride them out hey 
They look good. They look good right now. They're... Ten goals, four, only three against. I mean, they might just go undefeated. God. I don't know about that. Well, what's funny is that, you know, in hockey, because they go by points, they're 2-0 and and they have, you know, ridiculous stats, but they're still not leading in, in points. So, but it'll be interesting to see, you know. They got Nashville up there with them. They're probably cheating. Yeah, got to be. Got to be cheating. So, I uh, I'm going to throw an audible because we, we had some, some breaking news earlier today, and, and I, I got to get your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts on this. But, you know, in the college football world, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, University of Tennessee, they're, they're parting ways. And I don't know, can you give us the rundown, give us the scoop? What's the story on, on, on how that all went down? So Tennessee, the athletic department, or the actual the university, the president, uh, kind of laid it all out today. Uh, she said a lot of things uh, that there was a lot more evidence. Basically, she implied, you know, it was just amazing. Uh, the cover-up is what she was saying. I can't really comment on it, but the cover-up. Uh, bottom line, outsider looking in, I don't have any great sources on this. Tennessee had been looking for a way to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt with cause to avoid the $13 million buyout. Uh, Right, wrong, or indifferent how I felt about Jeremy Pruitt, uh, this seems like it is a uh, kind of a money grab situation. You, you were looking to get out of a bad relationship, uh, and, and you went about it all wrong, and now you're back to being a laughingstock because it's bad press. This is bad publicity. It's a bad way to run it. Not only that, and they can say all they want that Philip Fulmer retiring has nothing to do with this, but you can't convince me of that. Uh, the timing, the, the same day that you fired Jeremy Pruitt, you – Philip Fulmer's going to retire on his own. Come on, guys. So I'm going to say this. Jeremy Pruitt, good man by all accounts. Uh, I, I don't know the level one and level two allegations. All that's going to come out. Uh, and they must feel like some heavy sanctions are coming down. And the way that Tennessee spun it was, hey, we're going to get out in front of this. We're going to fire this guy in hopes that we're not going to get hit as hard. But I'm going to go back to Bruce Pearl. How'd that work for you? You still got smacked. And now this is multiple times in a row. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Bruce Pro did this. Then you had the basketball coach after that, Donnie, the guy from Southern Miss, is slipping my mind right now. He got fired with cause. So at some point, Tennessee, you got to get your coach and hire right. And for everybody saying, Hugh Freeze, do you think they're going to go hire a dude that's got 20 level two, level one allegations against him to run the program? Ever since Philip Fulmer left, you've had Lane Kiffin, I'm not talking smack because he was in there a year, but they had a ton of recruiting violations with him. Then you had Derek Dooley. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, you, you got Butch. I mean, so you just – you got to get this right. And they offer the job. What, what Tennessee fans think this job is and what it really is are two different things. Well, how, how are you going to – all right, first, I think you got to start with a with some uh, – you got to get an AD. And the AD has to be somebody who is willing to go out there and search and put the time and the equity. And if it's an outside firm that's doing this, then so be it. But they, they, they can't afford any slip-ups right now because, I mean, they could possibly be out of bowl season for multiple years. And if that's the case, what, who wants to come in there and coach that team? Well, yeah, I agree. And adding insult to injury is the fact that 
you did all this cheating and you went three and seven, bro? That's what I was thinking. I mean, my goodness. You know, Daniel just, said – Go ahead. Daniel said there should have been infractions for the way he looked on the sideline all year. That's what he told me. I, I'm I think that's you. what really got him fired. Hey, I think so. He, that's that's what it was. It, it but, was – you do have to – people kind of trashing on Big big Phil, and if you look at it since he's been in the AD, a lot of things have gone right. They basketball team, you know, the hiring of Rick Barnes was a, was a, ended up being a great thing. Baseball is better than it's been in a whole long time. Women's basketball is returning to winning right now. I mean, they've gotten a ton of uh, – the uh, only thing that's missing is football, and we talk about it all the time, and this is further proof. None of that other shit matters. Football is king. So if if you were the AD, where are you looking for a head coach? Are you looking for a name, or are you looking for a coordinator somewhere? Or I saw what? NFL names. You well, yeah, yeah. John Gruden. He ate an orange for breakfast. This well, morning. not John Gruden. That's not <laughs> who I saw. So, no, no. Bill O'Brien. You know, one of the, I tell you, I tell you, one of the names. Just, just I'm spitballing. Um, one of the NFL names that I would be okay with would be uh, – Jim's really familiar with him. My boy Dave, off of the former offensive coordinator, current offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. What's his, uh, what's his last name? Ar- what was that guy's Aranda? name? Aranda? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Very Brady, familiar. I, yeah, I mean, look, what you're going to have to do at Tennessee is score some freaking points. This three yards in a cloud of dust shit is over, bro. We, and we brought in a defensive guy, and our defense sucked. I mean, we were ninth in the SEC three years in a row. So, that ain't working. What about Larry Porter? As a what? <laughs> we starting a revolution? Yeah. No, I, as, a, as a Tennessee fan, Randy, what do you – are you expecting the next season to be a wash, or are you hoping because they got out in front of this thing – it'll be something else. No, I'm expecting, you know, I'm a realist. I think I expect to see improvement. I hope that we play some out-of-conference games. We get, you know, a couple of them uh, the wins, the little patsies. But I think what I'm expecting, and, and I know people are going to throw out stupid names, and to me, Hugh Freeze, although I think he'd be a great hire, I think that's out. I don't think you'd do that. Chad Well from Coastal Carolina, all these names are going to come up. You know, Gus Malzahn, all, all this. You know, never forget that they almost hired Mike Leach last year, and everybody thought that would have been the home run hire. How's that looking for Mississippi State? You know, you know. You, you also talk about my man. I, I'm a man. I'm 40. They almost hired him two times, and all we did was get him a raise. So Tennessee fans need to come to the realization that the University of Tennessee, this is not 1998, this isn't 2001, and maybe Philip Fulmer doesn't get the respect he deserves, and maybe he had the program at a level – on his own recognizance, and maybe it wasn't the name that was winning. Because you look at Johnny Majors, everybody talks about he was this historically great head coach. Bro, you look at it's a lot of average shit to me. <laughs> oh, man, I, I feel for you. I feel you for you. fired up, bro. I know. We need to move on. So We're a basketball we... school now. How about yeah. that? Hey, fuck Rick Barnes. <laughs> fuck all them dudes. All right, NFL, the, the king – the King, we had uh, some divisional games this weekend. Randy, the AFC, you had Buffalo over Baltimore. Um, was this loss, you know, that, that Baltimore had, was it on Lamar or was it more Josh Allen winning the game? Neither. I think that I, Josh Allen, I mean, 
you know, he makes throws that are really, really, really tough. But as far as his stats, I mean, Baltimore outrushed him. They had more yards. They had more yards per play, all that stuff. Lamar made a huge mistake, a great play by Buffalo. But Buffalo's defense was up for the challenge. They were a bend but don't break. But I did not think the Buffalo's offense looked good at all, and the stats bear that out. Yeah, so, Jim, Kansas City beat your boys. Um, was a better game than most expected, close game. Um, Cleveland had a shot late. They had a, a big-time momentum swing with the fumble um, out of the end zone. But are we still looking at the same old Browns, or, or are they something different? Well, I think that game probably wouldn't have been as close if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt. But don't take away from the Browns on that. I thought Baker Mayfield looked great. Um, I think they really if – you, if you take away the fumble that happened with people Jones, it was going to be a close game even if Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have got hurt. But obviously that was such a huge play and a big turnaround. But I think the Browns are different. You know, no different than Randy talking about Lamar made that one mistake. Baker did the same thing. I mean, he was really solid, minus that one throw, which, you know, if you watch the replay back, I'm sure both of you guys did. Let's talk about the Honey Badger absolutely standing right behind the receiver and then just darting out in front of him and stealing that. I mean, I actually can't blame Baker because I don't know how you would have saw him. Yeah, I I think, you know, everyone that I've heard today is is saying the same thing is that, the one piece that the Browns are not worrying about is the guy that's under center, uh, which I, I tend to agree with right now. I think he's arguably could possibly be if there, if there was a, a, a turnaround player of the year, like I, it could be him or, you know, I, I don't know how you want to word it, but the worst part was the guy that was terrible was Nick Chubb, who Randy will tell you, I've texted him 20 times this year talking about Nick Chubb's the most underrated running back. And then this dude in the biggest game can't run, can't catch, can't do nothing. Chubbed up, man. Wasn't ready. I tell you who was a star in that game was Tyreek Hill. My goodness. Yeah, that I mean, dude. So eight fast. catches, 110 yards. The two-finger catch on the side of his hip. And also, this is, he is not underrated by any means. But every time I watch Travis Kelsey, I'm amazed. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah. Let, let's not forget the the big sack Andy Reid. Andy big sack Reid on the sideline. <laughs> oh, big Reid. Saying, hey, hey, Chad, let's go out there and flip one to Tyreek. He'll make I it happen. I trust you. I trust you, Chad. Shoot. That's, uh, I would not that's... trust Chad. But how about the cojones on that guy getting the third and what, 12 or 14? Oh, yeah. Go on I mean, I thought Baker was going to get a shot, man. I really did, and I was ready to see it. I was reading, you know, Twitter. So was everybody else. Everybody wanted to see what Baker could do in a two-minute drill with the game on the line against the defending champs, and we didn't get to see it. I think we were actually cheated out of something great. Well, he, I... had, a ch- he had a chance the one before that, and they lost 15 yards. Yeah, well, I, I didn't like them punting his away. Well, I didn't like them punting away with four minutes left. I know everything says you're supposed to do that, but I'm never giving the Chiefs the ball back ever. Well, what what you're I think what you're discrediting is you are saying you failed to see something great, but you did. You saw greatness be great. Like that that's what lost the game for the Browns is because a great team was great. So 
You know, moving on to the NFC portion, you know, Packers over the Rams. Randy, was was this even a fair fight for the Rams? They're not 100%. I mean, it's to me now after hearing McVay talk today about everyone is is up for evaluation, like to me it sounds like there's some some issues brewing on those sidelines. That may be true, but, you know, nobody feels sorry for anybody. Injuries happen to every team, and, you know, time waits for no man. I, I didn't think that Jared Goff necessarily played bad. I actually thought sometimes I, I saw McVay not trusting Jared Goff to make the plays that he was making two years ago, and I understand that he's hurt, uh, but I think at some point it's do or die. What are you waiting on? I see it all the time in the NFL. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute with the Saints. When it's do or die time, we're not trying to get to the next game. We're trying to win it right now. So if Jared Goff can't throw, make the throws that he was making, or at least give him a chance to, because that's where that's what got him money time. I don't, I don't understand. I kind of put that back on McVay. Cam Akers played great. The defense banged up as they were. I mean, they did the best they could. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, you're when you when you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Adams. Jones on the other side, Lazard. Like when you got those guys on the other side, you're gonna give up something. So to to go in there and say we're gonna completely shut them down, like you're kind of fooling yourself and you're not being realistic. Um, but what has to happen is 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 what you saw really in the Saints and Bucks game is you got to make things happen. So Jim, well, before Trent, you get to that, Daniel, I wanted to say my favorite play probably the whole weekend uh, that didn't involve my own team had to have been Rodgers doing the check at the line and smiling and then, th- and then throwing to Lazard over the top. Like, that – when I watched that back, I was like, oh, my God, this dude already knew the touchdown was happening, had a big old grin on his face, way to rub salt in the wound. Who, who was it? It was, it was the guy – I can't remember who it was exactly, but I saw it on Twitter to your point right after. He was like, if you played in the NFL, you've been a victim of the Bre- – uh, of Brett Favre, of the Aaron Rodgers smirk at the uh, line of scrimmage. Emmanuel – I. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was him. You're right. So, hey, so, but how about Lazard making the play after the big drop, though? I mean, it was like, right. Aaron Rodgers didn't even care about that. I got you, homie. Yeah, and and Jim, you know, we we, we talk about big plays and big drops, and we, you know, there were there were some some in in the night game. Bucks beat the Saints. So, was this more of Brady being great and going out and winning it, or was it more of Drew Brees losing it? Let me be clear right off the top before I say this. I'm not being a Brady hater. I'm just simply stating that Breeze, and I hate to say this, right? Like, that's what's funny. I was watching the Saints media uh, as the game was going, and it was like they were trying to not say bad things, but it became a point where you couldn't help it at a certain thing. And, you know, of course, they started to say the negative things just like I was and the whole bar that was around me in real time. But then you come back at the end of the night and say, thank you for everything you've done. Because he really has done an amazing thing for that organization, that city and everything. But he was terrible. I just, I mean, I can't put it any other way. Um, I've been worried about this, obviously. I told you that coming off the Chicago game. I thought they still could win it. But I think not having Taysom was the biggest factor. And and what I mean by that is they got to the red zone twice and stalled. Um, Taysom has 18 touchdowns on the season, whether running, throwing, or passing. I think you really needed that element. 
and it just hurt, and Brees couldn't make the throw. I know I know that the one play that really threw me off guard was the Jameis Winston throw, so, you know, I know you absolutely love that. But Brady Brady did what he's supposed to do in the situations, right? He can't take away that. Got three touchdowns starting from within the Saints 30, so, I mean, it's not his fault he started there, right? So, um, you know, did what he did. But I got to say, guys, you know, the Bucks defense it did its thing. You know, they shut Michael Thomas out. You know, Devin White – Regardless Evan of, White is the best player on the field last night. Absolutely. And, you know, that was the thing. We talked about the Tyron Matthew play. And then if you look at the Bills, if you watch Tredavious White, like, man, LSU, like, stood up this weekend for sure. Always got to take it back to LSU. Well, Devin White, I told – Randy will at least verify this, man. I was Devin White through and through. He's my profile picture for, like, a whole season. Like, that dude was legit and I always knew it. He was. And to, to touch on what you said, though, the Bucks were opportunistic. But looking at after the game, because I had to go back and look myself, I mean, the Buccaneers, they outgained the Saints. It wasn't by much, but they outgained them. I wouldn't think – that either team had over 300 yards of offense, but the Bucks did. Yards per play was a lot more. And Brady, while he wasn't spectacular, he did make some great throws, but he was very efficient. Like, I mean, he just – he made the throws that he had to make, and he made them count. You know, Evans, I've never seen – you know, Jim, you talked on this earlier in the year that you've never seen anybody get in his head like that, and it's true. But opportunistic. He only had one catch, but it was for a touchdown. And, that, and, and he, that's a play I'd go to. With his size, I mean, oh, as good yeah. as Lattimore is, that was easy money. Absolutely, absolutely. And Brady did not make the play. And I said this last night. He doesn't lose. He's not going to lose it on his own. He is going to make you beat him. He's not going to lose it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'll say this also, you know, I'll tell you one throw that wasn't good by Brady, that was, but it was a big play. Uh, Johnson making that turnaround grab, that oh was filthy. I do think it was meant to go to that side. I just think you're right. That was unbelievable. Hands, oh, my goodness. But my question for you, Daniel, would be, um, when it was a seven-point game in the middle of the third quarter and the Saints were driving right along, and Jared Cook, you know, granted the defensive player did punch it out. It's not like he just coughed it up. But nevertheless, he did fumble, which, you know, protect the football. The Saints were moving right along. If You know, I think it was like four minutes left in the third quarter. If the Saints go up 14 there, I mean, I think it's a 100% different game. I know it's easy to say, but, like, I mean, that fumble drastically turned around because then once they score – all the momentum changed. Here's what I say. You, yes, but if you if you go back, the very play before Jared Cook fumbles should have been an interception. That's true too. Should have been. So I mean, if you want to, Antoine Winfield goes goes junior. Junior, my bad. That's right. He misses an interception, hits him in the worst spot, his hands. And then the very next play, he comes and punches the ball out. So that's a player making a play and, and making up for really an, a turnover that should have happened the play before. So I think regardless of whether it was an inter- interception or a fumble, you, you can't turn the ball over there. And I don't think it was the player. I think we're, we're harping too much on the player instead of the act. The act was a turnover regardless of an interception or a fumble that changed the momentum. But I think people are like beating down on Jared Cook because he was the guy who fumbled the ball. But in reality, it was a guy making a good play on him. Well, yeah. the, his helmet definitely felt the wrath of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let me let me ask you a question, you know, Randy. We 
we talked about the addition of Quan Alexander and how great it was, right? And he was playing amazing before he got hurt. And I didn't think it would be relative because he wasn't even in the game the last time they played the Bucks. But the way Anzalone was exposed, like I looked on Twitter, they were murdering him, and rightfully so. Like, I never thought the Quan thing would matter. But then after what they did to him, God, I can only imagine how much different it had been if Quan didn't get hurt. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, it's, you know, you touched on it, you know, with, uh, with Taysom, a lot, a lot of, a lot of injury, just, just the way the ball bounces. And, but, you know, four turnovers, you, you're not going to win any game with four turnovers. Oh, yeah. No, the war of attrition is always going to matter no matter what the sport. I mean, we lost Harris after that second return. It just didn't get any better for the Saints. But I mean, still, to your point, like, I mean, you still got to make plays. And, you know, the biggest one that stands out to me is Michael Thomas not getting the catch. And, you know, they started talking trash about him being slammed backward. And, you know, if there's one thing you're going to get away with talking bad about the Saints, I'm going to let that go because that's just funny. Yeah, and I will say just, just a couple more things. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing that they, they said there was 3,800 fans. I'm calling bullshit on that. There was a lot more than 3,800 people in the Superdome. No way. And also, uh, to, to the credit, I thought about this when Winfield Jr. Had the, did, did cause the fumble. What do you think it dude's dad was feeling? Like, dude's dad was a professional and a good one. Now he's watching his son do his thing. I mean, how cool of a moment. He he was probably pissed off when he missed an interception and a little a little disappointed. And then he was like, yeah, that's my dude. Jim, Jerry one more play. thing. Do you think that Latavius Murray being out was another thing? Because, I mean, they did use him a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it was a big deal because it makes Kamara, you know, more of an every down back. And then obviously you got Ty Montgomery, who didn't play bad. But, yeah, it's just – I think the biggest factor is Taysom being gone takes away what you can do. But, you know, it is what it is. You can't – this time of year, you can't, you know, blame it on injuries. Just, you know, same thing with the Rams when we were talking about that. Yeah, they were banged up. But, I mean, you know, biggest biggest thing is, you know, we, NBA, think about, you know, the Grizzlies. It's time, you know, playoff time. Like, you got to be healthy. It's got to – it matters. So, the, the play – the play where Jameis throws a touchdown – that was probably designed for Taysom, if healthy, to be the one throwing that? I don't think so. I don't no. think so. And I think Sean Payton, just like I saw a bunch of people talking about, he absolutely ripped that from Chicago the week before, and he got desperate and had to throw it in. Jameis well, Winston has the best, strongest arm on that team. That, 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 nobody has ever said Jameis doesn't have a great arm. That, see, I'm not saying Taysom can't throw far, but Jameis is more accurate to me. That's what makes that, that – defensive alignment and break breakdown such a, a bad one is because like what what do you what do you think Jameis is in the play to do? Right. St stand there as a receiver and block? Let me ask you this, Daniel. Like given Sean Payton's past, maybe. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this, Daniel. Do you take anything from the fact that as far as the future, and I'm not talking about take Taysom out of the mix, you know, Obviously, Winston's on a one-year deal. They showed it on camera. Breeze looks right at him and says, it's your team now. Do you take anything from that, or is he just caught in the moment? I think um, he's caught in the moment. I think he's going to go back and realize, and he's going to think and hear exactly what I told you in text last night, is that he deserves a full Superdome when he leaves and that, i mean it, i just believe that last night was not his best night and even if it wasn't his best night i guarantee you if that place was full 
they would still be in that in that stadium right now. Oh, him. no doubt. No so, doubt. Yeah, and he would be, deserve every, all of it. This will yeah. be this will be my final note on the whole thing. And you know, I read this earlier, and I couldn't help but to believe it. Um, Chris uh, Roz, I can't even say it, man. He got a French name. Anyway, he's one of the Saints beat writers. I follow him. And he said, worst part about this four-year stretch for the Saints is knowing that 2018 was their season. Felt like that was the Super Bowl year, and then Drew Brees could finally walk away. Spent the last two years chasing a ring that wasn't meant to be, and he just didn't have the arm strength to do it. And I think there's some truth to that. I think, you know, that no call hurts because, you know, there was talk all the way back then about was he close to being done. And I think he spent these last couple years just trying to get that second ring. I think if he gets it then, I think he walks after they lose to Minnesota last year because he just wasn't very good all year. We talked about it the whole time. Well, who who knows? The the pressure to win it all is is huge. And if if he wins it all in that season, he might have won another one because it's just going back to I, I don't have anything to lose. I'm just going to let it all hang out there and but anyhow, Jim, do you think he's coming back or do you think he's done? I, I don't think he's coming back and I, I don't want him to come back. I'd love, you know, we've talked about this, the three of us. Some guys come back and they shouldn't, and it just really kind of tarnishes your image of them. That, that game, as much as I don't want it to be the lasting image of them, I also don't want him to come out and be horrible again, and then people just – he's there to be mocked and made fun of. Gotcha. Randy, you think he's coming back or you think he's, he's no. calling it? I think that he's going to have – you know, we saw it after the game. He, he's – you know, he wants family. We see videos of him all the time. And, and honestly, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think that this season mentally took a huge toll on Drew Brees. I mean, not only for – it's the way it started, not only with COVID, but the way that he had the controversial comments. For the first time in Drew Brees' career, he was – like a villain like people like like hated him right his own teammates were calling him out so I think this was a lot it was mentally can you get back in the game and I think the answer is no he can go into the booth spend more time at home with his wife and his kids and, and I think Jim's right you got to know when to hang it up uh and it's time not everybody gets to go out like John Elway that's right baby. I can't believe you said John Manning. Elway instead of Peyton Manning yeah I was like I couldn't yeah. believe that but Peyton really was for being honest he was a shell of himself and he really wasn't very good his defense carried him so we got championship weekend coming up. We got Kansas City and Buffalo. We got the Packers and the Bucks. I'll start with you, Jim. Who who are you taking? Packers and the Bills, simply before Randy goes berserk. I got to know something about Patrick Mahomes. And as of right now, I don't know anything. So give me the Bills just because I don't know. All right. Randy, who you got? I'm going to go with the Packers as well. And, oh, man. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I, I think everything Jim said is right. And But I just – I find it hard to believe that Mahomes won't play. And I also think that Kansas City, their defense showed up and showed out. They got a lot of talent on that defense too, not only the Honey Badger. I mean, they're, they're talented all over the field. And – Right, wrong, or indifferent, that team believes in each other and themselves. They 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 believed in Chad Henney enough <laughs> you know, to go fourth one. You know, you said you'd take Patty at seventy five percent in text. You know, one thing to keep in mind is everybody's just thinking concussion. Remember that dude was limping around real bad yeah. before the concussion even happened. 
I agree. And what makes Mahomes so great is that he can scramble around. I don't mean run like Lamar. I mean, like, he gets free. And if you can't do that, it takes an element away from his game. And that also changes your trajectory on your ball. It takes some zip off your ball if you can't plant that foot. So, great point. I just look, don't – I don't know, man. The Buffalo offense did not look very good. I'm a, I have to say this. And I've seen I've seen guys go into concussion protocol for – lighter hits but you guys saw how he got up there's no way no way that guy should be on the field and I, I say that because from a health standpoint and from a longevity standpoint the guy's got a lot of years left and I just I don't think it's worth the gamble to put a guy out there when he looked like he did now, he might pass all the tests, but you're not going to convince me that that guy looking like that is going to be ready to go in six days. Oh, is, yeah. You get Alan Urban not. on here to talk about it, and he'll tell you it's absolutely the dumbest move ever for him to go back. Because remember, he talked about going through concussions or knowing people who went through them and just talked about the dangerousness of it. But but as a fan, like, of course, I want the best out there. I want to see the best game that there could possibly be, and I don't – you know, no offense to Chad Henney, but I don't think he gives gives the Kansas City Chiefs that that feeling. Um, so for my picks, I, I'm going to go Buffalo, and when when we talk about that's what's up, I'll, I'll explain why I'm going Buffalo over Kansas City, and I'm going to ride I'm going to ride the Bucks. So uh, give me Buffalo and give me Tampa Bay. You did see the temperatures for Green Bay, right? I know Tom's used to them. I'm not. I'm not saying that like that's against Tom. I'm saying just in general. I, that was my worst fear when I saw that they had already released what the projections were for temperatures next week, and I saw you know obviously the game against the Rams. I said, of course, if the Saints move on or the Bucks move on, they're going to go to frigid temperatures that see, uh, uh, the Rams were actually able to avoid. So. Yeah. Bruce Arians, what right or wrong, was was on today talking about you know temperature is irrelevant, like it's a non-factor. It's it's cold when you get off the plane, but when you get on the field, nobody thinks about the temperature. Like I, I that's not true. I, I don't believe that because there's guys out there with with jackets and they have heated benches and shit like that. So I, obviously it is a factor and it matters, but. Um, I think players are going to step up and play regardless of the conditions. And it'll be interesting to see because I don't think, you know, you know, Washington might've been as cold as it's been for Tampa Bay the whole season. So I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And not to mention that green Bay has that guy named Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> he's all right. He, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. Wow. But yeah, so that's that's our picks for this week. We got a last call. Did Jim? Did we miss anything? And we covered everything pretty quick. Yeah, no. I just wanted to bring up the D one baseball rankings came out today, which this is basically the closest thing you get to the official rankings when they drop when baseball starts. Uh, from everything I've read, it's the most well respected. These are guys who actually went and watched all the fall World Series. Have been going to practice, everything else. So it's what you can really rely on. And just of note, eight teams from the SEC in the top 25, five of them in the top 10. And, you know, Mississippi State makes the big jump. You know, on all these other polls, they were anywhere between 8 and 15. They have actually jumped 
LSU, they're at the seventh spot. And, uh, you know, we obviously had Cameron James and Josh Hatcher on. And then we got a couple Ole Miss boys. We got Arkansas. We got Tennessee going up. All these guys are in the rankings. So, you know, you talked about hockey. And then we were talking about just basketball, you know, watching. I think I'm more excited to watch college baseball than I ever have been in my life, specifically the SEC. Nice. Randy, any last thoughts? Yes. Late Friday night, the Yankees signed two-time Cy Young winner, Corey Kluber, and I'm untying that back in because notable Koppel High School alum, Corey Kluber. You may say, what's Koppel High School? Well, those that weren't listening earlier, that's Kaya Johnson's high school as well. Oh, so some well great done. things. Well great get done. it. Get it. Get it. I can't even talk anymore. I mean, gold, just stole the show. Gold medal. Gold medal, sir. All right. I don't have anything. I put it together. I said all I had to say. Randy, make us rich, man. Uh, so I want to talk about money, and this is – before we get started, Jen, this is not a slide on you, but I need you to hear this. The Saints talked about it already. They got a big problem on their hands. They are projected to be $100 million over the cap. So I dove in today, you know, because, you know, we talked about Breeze retiring. That is going to help some, but they have got some big decisions to make. They're going to be anywhere between 95 and $100 million over the projected cap. They have 45 players contracted for the 2021 season. So there could be some big names cut or released that you would never expect and strictly for salary cap purposes. We could know some of the names that came up were Ramzik, who's probably one of their best offensive linemen. Marshawn Lattimore was another one. Oh, no. I'll swear. Walk from You're going to hate you. this one. You're going to hate this one. Taysom, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Yeah. He is set to count for over $16 million against the cap. Was Jenkins on there? Uh, no, because he, he has a he, – yeah, he can't be. Taysom yeah. to the Colts. Taysom <laughs> to the Colts. <laughs> no, absolutely get out of there. So, if they cut, they have a chance making a lot of those moves, cutting some big-time names to save around $88 million. So that would still put them somewhere 10 to 15 over the cap because the cap goes down this year, you know, for those that don't know. So I think that not only Drew Brees retiring, but you could see a completely different look from the Saints. Obviously, you know, shout out to Sean Payton. He's been the model of consistency, but he's done it with a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, and, a, and a ton of different – I'm not saying he needs those uh, offensive weapons. As a matter of fact, you might want to cut Slant Boy if he can't catch no – That's slants. what I was to say. That would be actually the first guy that would come off the books for me. Yeah, so just a couple more. I mean, they got the, the obvious names that they – Janoris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Nick Easton, and Malcolm Brown oh, would save cry, combined $20, $22 million. Those are the first five names that were named. So just, just something to watch out for take, in the offseason. Take off his gold medal away. Take his gold medal away, man. He just broke my heart. And I'm telling you I right know. now, if Drew Brees walks away and then Taysom gets cut – you're gonna find me in a dark hole, man. That's hey, another one, another one. With this, they can restructure your boy. You've named him. You said he's been getting snubbed. I agree. Cameron Jordan. They're not gonna stop about cutting him, but they're talking about restructuring his deal because his deal counts for twenty million against the cap, second only to Drew Brees. So I mean, they got a, they got some big decisions to make. Uh, Michael Thomas is eighteen point six million against the cap. If they cut him, it'll accelerate four point two million onto their cap number. If you restructure twelve. Point six, that would leave eight point eight six million dollars for the Saints. So they got some big decisions to make, and they put themselves in a in a tough spot. Bro, they they're doing more than trimming off the fat. I mean, is it? I, I'm I'm asking. You're a big. You're the biggest Saints fan I know. Uh, do you think, given Drew Brees retiring, given that you got the salary cap situation, could we see a rebuild in New Orleans? 
I mean, you could. The thing is, because you, you you mentioned all the names, right? The thing is, it's they got so many pieces outside of the quarterback. Like, it's either get rid of them all or just try to do the best you can getting rid of very few because, I mean, you got too many pieces that you would leave wasted. So, like, if you're going to do it, you have to completely tear the whole thing down. And, boy, there's a lot – man, you just mentioned all the players. How many teams would be salivating at the idea of that? I totally agree. But Lattimore, then, I mean, that's not Lattimore even, hurt when you said that. Oh, more than t- taste. I agree. Body. And they laid, this article laid it out. I'm going to give credit where it's due. But where I got a lot of my information was Ben Rolfe. And one of his things, he broke down the stats. This was Lattimore's worst statistical year of his career, which was crazy because he's such a leader on that team. And I, so I'm not at all saying he's worthy trash at all. The dude's great. I'm just – I think they're trying to – you know what I'm saying? Sometimes teams do that to prepare you. That's the worst year he's had. Jim, if the Saints rebuild, are you going to turn those jerseys upside down so that they're sixes and paint that room brown? <laughs> uh, my uh my moving around days are over man i'm solid all the way through and through hey. I, Ru- russ is the only one that keeps me moving and right now he's got me in the dumps all right man since you're in the dumps go ahead and give us your ref rant for the week blow your whistle all right so the refs didn't get the call wrong i'm blowing the whistle on the call itself so when you fumble the ball out of bounds you get it back at the spot of where the fumble happened um, in the Cleveland game, we talked about people Jones fumbling into the end zone. I was not the only one that thought this. As I looked on social media, literally everybody in the free world thought that that's a horrible rule and they need to change it. And so I'm blowing the whistle on the rule because, you know, I get it, man. Somebody caused a fumble or he fumbled it and it's part of the game. But like a guy diving for the end zone shouldn't and, you know, losing control shouldn't end in the other team getting the ball at the 20. Um, I hate that call. It drastically changed the game. That's not the first, second, or third game I've seen where that play's been significant. So, uh, blowing the whistle on the NFL to change that rule. Yeah, I think I think that rule and the Godwin catch going out of the back of the end zone that was not a catch. Uh, I think those are two calls that are going to be looked at over the summer when they go to look at these rule changes. When was the last time you knew what a catch was? That's my question. That's, I mean, that's the problem is no, like you can't, you can, you think, you know, but you don't know. So I think that that's a problem. And the way that they can slow everything down into frame by frame, like, like to me, it's almost just make everything reviewable. So your boy Gene, your your boy Gene was the one that was on the TV thing. I know you heard him. He said, and it, and to your point, it seems so dumb and, and when you take it like that. He had to just tuck it, and it would have been a catch. Even though he dropped it, he just had to make a tuck move, and he didn't. And I don't understand the difference, really. Yeah, I, I, you'd have to show me because I I don't I don't get it either. <laughs> but anyhow, I mean it, it didn't dictate the outcome of that game um but it i think the rule you're talking about the one that's in question it probably had a little bit to do with the outcome of the browns game but for me guys the that's what's up award is going to go to the bills mafia bills mafia man this just i've heard so many amazing stories some pretty outlandish stories about bills mafia but 
Bills Mafia did something, you know, after the game. They got on a, a, a Reddit message board and started just pushing money into Lamar Jackson's charity in Louisville. Um, they ended up raising, um, from what I read, anywhere from 150000 to 300000 I'm not sure what the total count is now, but, um, you know, that's a stand-up move, a classy move, you know, doing that for a guy that got injured, got had to leave the game. Um, so Bill's Mafia, that's what's up. And that's why I picked you to to move on. So keep up the the, the good juju moving your way. But guys, um let's get out of here, man. We we talked about a lot. We had a great conversation with Kaya Johnson. We wish her all the best. Um I, I have a I have a good feeling she's she's gonna have some, some a big year. I think LSU gymnastics is, is gonna gonna crush it this year so if you like hearing us average joes talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always your comments ratings and feedback is always welcome we'll see everyone next week for episode 19 where we will be talking about ut vol baseball with connor pavaloni chad dallas and liam spence this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.